What a beautiful name it is, isn't it? We uh, are in a series. We're in the sixth week of uh, our sixth letter to churches that Jesus Christ wanted to write letters to. Whether it's encouragement or I've gotten plenty of letters in my days and a lot of them have been, you know, there's always the good news and then there's the bad news. But tonight we're in the sixth letter, and this is the Church of Philadelphia. It's found in Revelation chapter 3, and the Church of Philadelphia had nothing but good news. Have you ever been on the side where you didn't do anything wrong, and somebody told you that you were doing well? How good would it feel for the God of the universe to inspire a letter to you saying, good job? Philadelphia was the city of brotherly love. We know, unless we know Philadelphia Eagles fans, that that's an absolute truth. (laughs) Philadelphia is known for their mean fans, but this church was known for literally brotherly love, named for philos, brotherly love towards one another. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look in a passage there about this. It's just several verses. We're going to read the letter together that John penned for Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Starting in verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord, I believe that this word is for our church. And it reminds me so much of the people in our church. Lord, as we dive into the, to the provisions, I guess, that you have to tell us that no matter what happens here, no matter what we face, As long as our eyes are on you, our eyes are on the only prize that ever matters. So speak to us tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
You can be seated. God bless the reading of his word. God provides. I've heard many times someone say, and you probably heard them say it too, that if that guy would turn his life over to Jesus, that would be an incredible testimony and would change the world, right? Why do we say that? It's often because they've got this dramatic life story and that they almost turn over and then they don't. So nothing ever happens. The truth of the matter is, is that my testimony, no matter how dramatic it might be, or your testimony, whatever it is, is not near as dramatic and can't save anyone except for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We think that somehow we're more valuable along the way. So the church of Sardis, for instance, was a dead church. That was a church we talked about last week. This church was like 40 miles away from there. Can you guys hear me? I sound like I'm in a tube <laughs> up here. It's like 38 miles east or west of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is called the gateway to the east. It's a Roman uh, passageway, if you will. Lots of people go there. Um, it's a city of influence, not necessarily a city of wealth. They had experienced in 17 AD a a uh, major hurri uh, hurricane, look at me, they don't have hurricanes there, uh, a major earthquake. It had done so much damage that many of the people there are just living in tents outside around the city until they rebuilt. This church is faithful through the entire struggle that they have had. So much so that they were known by their name, brotherly love. When the outside looks in and they say, I want to go to Church of the Island, why would they say that? It's because of the way you guys love each other so well. It resonated with me that I look forward to coming to church here. <laughs> that if I wasn't the pastor, I would still want to come to church here. Because of the way you guys love each other so well. The thing about the church was, though, they didn't credit themselves for loving each other so well. They just did it because they loved Jesus. So they have to keep their minds off constantly on him, knowing that he provides for all our needs according to his riches and glory, not our goodness and our faithfulness and our lovingness. Does that make sense? So there's four provisions that I want us to think about tonight that only come from him, and that the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful, this church outlived every other of the seven churches. It lasted longer than the others because, they, because of their love. Number one, the provision that God provides potential for his church. I want you to look in verse 8 real quick. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. God provides potential by opening doors that no man can shut. They were, he was saying, you're, you're a weak church. You don't have strength, but you don't need it because, like Paul says, where you are weak, I'll be strong. I will live in you to will and to act according to my good pleasure. The church he saw had potential, tremendous potential. So I'm going to open a door of opportunity for you to reach the world around you. What does that look like? 
the truth is for a lot of churches, we see since COVID, the door is shut. The door has been shut all across America with churches that died, like Sardis, that were doing no good because they didn't walk through the door while it was open in the first place. He was talking about a door between the gospel and the culture. The gospel and the community. Why do churches die? Pride, immorality. We tolerate sin. We literally ignore it when it's right next to us. We say, who are you to judge? Judge not lest you be judged. While we choose to stand for nothing. God wants us to restore each other in a spirit of gentleness and love because having love with no truth is, there's nothing good about that at all. Having truth with no love, there's nothing good about that at all. Jesus is the one that opens and shuts doors. Men do not. Financial misappropriation, false teaching, Opinions, pride, idolatry, people loving tradition, those are all things that can get in his way. My prayer is this never happens to us. That God opened an opportunity for our church just like he did Philadelphia. We love the church because he first loved us and because he first loved the church. And we need to be faithful because he's been faithful to us. What did he call us to do? We keep it simple. He called us to reach our community, meet them where they are, share the gospel, speak the truth in love, and be discipled in here. It's really two basic things that we do as a church. Evangelize and be discipled. I must be discipled. I must grow in my faith. I must get, I'm going to be a better Christian before I die than I am right now, even if I died tomorrow. That's what I should be striving for. To be more like Christ. And that's what Jesus was telling the church. You have potential. I'm opening a door. Let's go speak. Number two, he provided power for his church. Verse eight, the second part of it, and verse nine, he says, I know you've got little power. Yet you've kept my word and haven't denied my name. Behold, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, but lie. Behold. I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. I kind of love that last part, that I have loved you. I'm going to make things right because I have my, I got your back. I know that you have little power. You've got a lot of potential, but you think you might have more power than you have. You don't have that much strength. You're living in tents. You're in fear, maybe. There was a lot of trauma. Where do we live? He was reminding the church that their source of strength was not them, that they didn't have to dig deep, that they didn't have to have more willpower. They had to have more of Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit's power. The church isn't powerful. Jesus is powerful. Amen? When I think that I have anything to offer Jesus, I need to back up and go, wait a second. That is the, the beginning of the end when it comes to 
your walk in Christ, when you think you've got it, when you think you're the one who needs to teach, when you think you're the one who has it together, it's the time to back up and go, no, he's the one. Maybe I'm not surrendering enough. In the grand scheme of things, we don't have any power to save. The church doesn't have any power to save outside the power of the Lord Jesus Christ working in us. That's why I don't worry about whether we're going to die or not. As long as I'm here, all I have to do is look up and surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ in my life. And as I grow, and as I meet people, whether it's friends or family, we should all be rubbing off on one another. As different as our gifts are, if you look into Ephesians 4, we are the most beautiful organization on the planet. And the largest volunteer organization on the planet is Christianity. Why? Because he is the pastor. And we are his children. And we're a family that we should grow. In. And as long as he has the power, we're growing in him. And we'll surrender and submit to one another. Learning what our real strengths are. He uses people because of their faith in spite of their weaknesses. And if he opens a door for you, he's going to provide a way for you to go through that door. I think that's something else that we, we mess up sometimes is there's an open door. God must have opened that door because it makes sense. But God might not have opened that door. It just looks like an appealing door that I need to walk through. He won't empower you to accomplish things unless it's his door to walk through. Unbelief, disobedience, these type things, fear, are, are, will inhibit you from being able to walk through a door because all we see is obstacles. Belief and faith see opportunity where fear and unbelief see obstacles. This is what's wrong. This is why I can't. This is, what's, this is my history. I need counseling. I need, yes, you might need counseling, but you need Jesus more. And you need both. And you need a happy balance. No, you don't. You need 180,000% of Jesus. <laughs> and then he will clarify all the other counseling because it will come up under his open door that he's inviting you to walk through. Look back at verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one who shut, who shuts and no one opens. Jesus was starting this letter by identifying himself as the author, not John. I am, he's got the pen, but I'm writing to you. And he says, I'm holy. Forty times in the Old Testament, God is called the Holy One of Israel. Jesus wasn't just the best person who ever lived. He's in a category all by himself. He is God, all God and all man. Without sin, the substitute for you and I. So he tells, he reminds the church in Philadelphia, I'm holy. You can trust me. I'm also true. You can trust me. Never tells lies. His word is what? Truth. What did he tell? What did he say in his word? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. 
When I say that, when I speak that, as David Tippins, the pastor even, or the brother, or the cousin, or the friend, or the guy who's attending the restaurant, when I say this is what Jesus said, you can count on that, that that is the truth. And they aren't rejecting me when they disagree with that. All roads do not lead to heaven. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. John 8.32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I think the trouble is, we misquote all the time by saying, you will know the truth. So it's the truth that sets you free. No, it's the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ. It's me knowing Jesus that gets me to heaven. So in verse 7, he says, he's the one who holds the key to David. If Christ holds the key to heaven, what he's referring to in this passage is found in Isaiah 22, verse 22. It says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Isaiah is talking about a guy named Eliakim. He was given a key to the palace, David's palace. He was the only one that had the key to the palace, so he's the only one that could get in. So if you wanted to get into the palace, you had to go through him. In the same way, the only way to the kingdom is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the key. Jesus holds the key. He holds the key to salvation, security, satisfaction. No one else holds the key. So don't think that you have more power than God himself. That is human nature. It is our tendency to think that I'm smart and I need. He need God needs me because of what I can offer. Look at that I love you part at the end of verse 9. Jesus loves his church. He loved the church in Philadelphia so much that it rubbed off on them that they would love one another. Don't try and figure out why he loves you. Don't figure out if you feel like he doesn't love you at times, go against your own thoughts knowing that he does love you. It's not because this is easy, it's fun, that we do what we do. It's not because we want to see big things happen and we want somebody's name out here. There's a reason there's a Bible buried in this, in this floor. The foundation of this place is the God that brought salvation to you and I. Amen. So when you walk this way or this way or throw a board or see a kid playing over here at any one time, if you eat crawfish, if you're just hanging out with friends and family, be sensitive to the fact that the Lord built this place. He built that place. He put you on this planet with the hair color on your head. And he said, you are perfect and I love you. You are perfect. Don't ever believe anything different. And when you stand here and you look over there, know that somebody else who's a 14-year-old kid might not think that they're perfect as they're throwing. You pray for them. You think about them. You think about what you can do for them. It's amazing what we remember that we would have no testimony outside salvation. You'd have no testimony of life eternal 
without salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's something to get passionate about. It's something to live for. And it's something to realize where your love really came from. It didn't come from us. The fact that he wanted to make Kyle, Kyle. He picked Kyle out perfect. And he said, that's the dude. And these are his weaknesses and these are his strengths. I don't need him, but I want him. So go there where you need love. Meet the people that really care about you. Grow deep in your faith. Be sanctified and move forward. Life is hard. Satan is at war against you. Compromise is tempting. Critics are becoming aggressive. But it's going to be okay. Why? Because of the simple fact that Jesus Christ loves you and me. Number three. God provides a protection for his church. Verse 10 says, Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. You see the words keep you from? It literally means out of. It doesn't mean through, keep you through something. Some people think that when the seven years of tribulation come, the church is going to be in it. And I don't believe, based on these words, that's true. Because he says, keep you from. Noah went through the flood. Enoch was taken out of the earth before the flood. I believe this is a picture of an evacuation of people who have already been sealed for his day of glory. We're already there. If you and I are believers, and we have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, things don't have to be complicated. We make them complicated. Things can be easy by us just going, I'm already bought, I'm go- I know where I'm going, But I'm looking around and I'm seeing all this busy, confusing, crazy talk about people who don't know where they're going, who need to know where they're going, so I must get a passion for where they're going and take them with me. He has you sealed, so you don't have to worry about anything. How many Christians have you talked to in church and gone, are you sure, do you know where you would go if you died tonight? Uh, I hope so. I don't hope so. I know that I know that I know where I'm going. Because his word told me, because I have a personal relationship with him, and he reinforces it through our walk in our lives. He was doing that while these poor people who went through a, you know, they went through this horrific scenario of bad weather, which we do all the time, and instead of they they recover and they move into their little tents, now it's all back to normal, like nothing ever happened. I would say it's never back to normal. And God came into my life so that something big would happen, so that your testimony would be powerful and move forward, and that you would have security when you go to sleep at night. When somebody asks you where you know you're going, you are protected for the rest of eternity 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. He provides protection for you. And finally, he provides a promise. Verse 11 and 12 says, I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. I am coming soon. Hold fast. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep plugging on. He says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write him on the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, and the new earth, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my new name. I'm coming soon. I'm coming quickly is what other versions say. I like that because it's not a picture of, of time, but rather a picture of speed. When he comes, he comes like a what? Thief in the night. We're not expecting it. It's going to be over like that. You're going to be, oh, well, it's going to be too late. Or it's going to be right on time and you're going to be extremely excited. There's only two options there. The word quickly, we get our English word tachometer. In other words, this book fulfills the events uh, happening. <laughs> you have a gauge. So we can look around at the events that are happening in this world and we have a gauge and we can see that, oh my gosh, these are some of the same signs. I remember talking to my dad when, he was, when I was young and he would say, oh, they've been talking about that forever and who's ever read the book, uh, 88 Reasons, he's coming back in 88 and all that other crazy stuff. We don't know when he's coming back. But if we're always ready, it doesn't matter. And if we're always ready, we're always being sanctified. If we're always ready, we're always having peace. If we're always ready, we're always sure. If we're always ready, our mind's always being transformed and renewed. And we're getting smarter and, and we're developing spiritually and growing in our faith. And, we're, and our church ought to be growing. And we're loving better. And our family ought to be getting better. It's a picture of progress. Keep the course. As the letter wraps up, he gives three blessings in that passage we just read. Number one, I'll make him a pillar in the temple. It re represents stability, permanence, and immovability. Pillars at the time were in, this was a, a, a town that had temples, and they would worship different gods. And in those, some temples would have multiple gods, and they would have a, a, a pillar to represent the god. The immovable representation of something. A carved to honor that deity. God says, I'm going to make you a pillar in the community, carved to honor me. People used to fleeing because of earthquakes and enemies. They won't go out. They are immovable at this point. Second promise, he will write them on the name of my God. You ever seen Toy Story? All the toys, Buzz and Woody had a name written on the bottom of their shoes. Andy. Why? Because they all belonged to Andy. When Jesus said he was write his name, the name of my God, it depicts ownership. We all belong to someone. Who do you belong to? Third, Christ promises to write on believers the name of the city of my God. It's a picture of eternal citizenship in heaven. The New Jerusalem, described in Revelation 21, a promise of security, safety, and glory. 
You and I have hope. And often we don't live like hope because we forget what today is. Today distracts us so much from our faith that we forget how to act today because we're too busy reacting to culture rather than walking through the open door to be the difference makers in the culture that we should be leading and they could react to the gospel. One of these days, we're going to hear the trumpet sound. And when that happens, those of us that love with Jesus with all of our heart, we're going. And when we go, those who haven't received are going to be here. Think about those you love. What the Bible tells us is Philadelphia won't be there. That church is not dead. Not one member of that church do we know was lost according to this letter. But those who are all saved will be gone. I want you to think of this. Not Baptists. It wasn't the First Baptist Church of Philadelphia. It wasn't the First Methodist Church of Philadelphia. It wasn't the First Presbyterian or Lutheran Church of Philadelphia. It was the church. Jesus Christ's bride of Philadelphia. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be any denomination. There's not going to be any differences that we have a tag, for instance. They are going to fly away when they get to heaven. Or if you get to hell, they're going to burn off. Denominations don't go to heaven. People do. God didn't make denominations. People did. We were trying to understand how to worship Him. They're not bad, but they're not the main thing. He is. Those who are born again and have been forgiven for their sins will be with Jesus. I like how the old country preacher said it. It's time for the church to wake up to sing up, to preach up, to pray up, to never give up or let up or back up or shut up until the church is filled up or we go up. Amen? Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We got work to do until we go up. And I'm not going to shut up. <laughs> Not when the gospel is concerned. I am going to shut up tonight because I want some crawfish. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. I'm going to invite you guys to stand. And I'm going to invite you all to just worship for a second where you sit. To pray where you sit. We don't technically have an altar, although this stage is pretty incredible and there's plenty of room. And I'm going to be down front if you want a prayer for anything. But I want you to think about one real thing before I pray. Where are you going to be? If you had to think of not your qualifications, but your relationship with Jesus Christ, are you singing up? Or are you acting up? Are you serious about your walk? Or do you need some adjustments? If we're not and we need some adjustments, love generally gets the brunt of that and we don't have it. So our reputation is that of a denominational split. I think this, so I'm going over there. I think this, and I'm going over there. Yes, 
sometimes you need to leave where we're, if we're not Jesus focused, yes, get out of there. But when we're Jesus focused, we become so love focused that it's so easy to relate to people and grow in your faith and forgive people for being wrong even that you constantly are growing in your faith. That when we go on a mission trips and we think that we are, I'm going to help somebody else, you're the one who's helped. God works in you and me to will and to act according to his good pleasure if we let him. There's an open door in your life and in your heart that God wants you to walk through today. Ask him what that open door is. And as a church, the open door is to reach the community of Dolphin Island. And it's to disciple you guys right here. That I would grow in my faith and that we would all do it together and we'd give hugs and eat crawfish and all that fun stuff. Go to church Sunday. Love the church that you go to. Love the people in the community no matter what. Tip knowing that maybe they're having a bad day and they, you don't know what somebody else has gone through. Every day is an opportunity or an obstacle. I would say that every day is an opportunity after salvation in Jesus Christ. Where are you? If you don't know Christ and you want to, see me after. And I'm going to give you some more information on how you can follow Him in your faith. Maybe you feel like you've needed to be baptized. You made a profession of faith later on in life. Maybe you were baptized when you were younger. And you feel like God wanted you to be baptized. Jesus said, I'm still married. Just because I take this wedding ring off does not mean we're not married. But I want people to know, Dad Gummit, that I'm married. I want people to know that I'm his bride. And we want to celebrate with you when you're faithful to walk in obedience. And encourage you to do just that. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship. And then we're going to, I'll give you a few instructions. And if you need prayer, I'll be right here. Lord, we thank you for this letter that you've given the Church of Philadelphia. And we acknowledge that he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit has, says to the churches means every church, COI, listen to this message because you are a church. And I love you. Lord, we want to be a, a church of brotherly love. And we know that we don't have any power to do it in and of ourselves. And that surrendering and understanding different things that the Lord want, that you want us to understand just comes with getting in your word more and going to church more and maybe getting in a life group or loving where we live more. The more we serve, Lord, the more you're glorified and the more people we can take with us. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you tonight, if you don't know Jesus and you want to, he says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You could pray a simple prayer like this from your heart. Lord, I don't know you, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I confess that I need you and I want to be 
follower of Christ. More than that, I want to be in your family. I want to be an adopted son or daughter of yours. Lord, forgive me of my sin and save me. If you prayed that prayer, just share that with me by the end of the night. I want to give you some tools that will help you in your walk. Lord, as we worship you now, bless, find, just search our hearts. Search our hearts and know that it's real what we're saying to you. In Jesus' name.